Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. Our theme for 1 Peter is you also as living stones. I trust that you're carrying your stone around just to remind you of who you are before the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 5, we have this verse. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we recognize that the living stones are the people of God. Those whom God has called to recognize who he is. I love living stones, don't you? I, I, I love people who just are excited about what God is doing in their lives. I love that picture. You just kind of wonder, don't you? People who share together, who study God's word together, who grow together, who have fellowship together. Living stones built up a spiritual house. Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, we've been working on a couple of verses found in chapter 1 of 1 Peter because we have been dealing with the subject of suffering and wondering why does God bring... Oops, I forgot that one. Why does God bring suffering into... You wonder, don't you? Why does God bring suffering into our lives? Not that that's suffering. Why does God bring suffering into our lives? What is the purpose? Well, in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 1, we discover that God does have a purpose. Read these verses with me, will you please? We'll start with the reference and we'll finish with the reference. Here we go. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the rate. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. So what's it all about? I don't know how many of you are familiar with Walk Through the Bible Ministries. It is a great ministry, and I understand some years ago, Walk Through the Bible Ministries came here and, and taught how we can understand the Bible chronologically and how we can get the themes in our lives. Our students have just gone through a walk through the Bible ministry. And in 1 Peter, this was what their theme was. Now, do you see that? Pain with a poipus. And I want you to know that there is indeed a purpose for why God brings these things into our lives. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, we found three purposes, didn't we? We discovered, first of all, that trials are part of life and grief is part of life. In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. We also discovered that there is some good that comes in trials because God has designed them to teach us. And we also know that God can bring glory. Handled properly, trials result in praise and glory and honor. 
when Jesus Christ comes. Now, I want to review where we've been over the last couple of weeks in this study of theology. And we're going to go through this very, very quickly as we recognize what God has for us. And then we're going to jump here into chapter 4 of 1 Peter and see some more principles. Suffering has a purpose. We looked into Romans chapter 5. There we discovered that we were to count it all joy. Rejoice in our sufferings knowing that there is a purpose. We also understand that unpleasantness brings maturity. James chapter 1, we studied that together. We were reminded of the finished work of Christ. And Christ, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the same sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In 1 Peter, we discovered some principles. We could find God's grace in trials. 1 Peter chapter 2. We end up blessed because of what God is doing in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 3. And again in chapter 3, we discovered that those who would revile our good manner of life will be put to shame. This is the theology of suffering. Three more principles this week that I trust will encourage us. Are you in 1 Peter chapter 4? Let me begin with verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice And be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in his name. Suffering in our lives is to help us increase God's glory. Now, did you note in that passage of Scripture, the word glory appears three times. As Peter is writing, he uses this word to help us understand that there is something that we are to focus on in our lives. The word for glory in the New Testament is doxal. We get our word doxology from this word. And so it should override our lives as we sing and praise God for what's going in our lives. Do you love the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now, now this is the good side of it, right? Can we sing the doxology together? Here we go. Praise God from whom all blessings Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. And put the amen on it. Amen. Now, the amen is let that be so in my life, right? And we can praise God for all of the blessings that we have. Now, I rewrote the words to the doxology. I hope that wasn't sacrilegious. Because a lot of times in our lives, it 
just doesn't seem like we're being blessed. Praise God for all the suffering we face. Praise Him that all pain's not erased. Praise Him for His mercy and grace. One day we'll see Him face to face. Amen? Can we sing that this morning? Praise God for the suffering we face. Praise Him that all pain's not erased. One day I'll see him face. Put the amen on it. Amen. Now that one's a little tougher to sing, isn't it? We praise him for the blessings that he brings our lives. But we can glory in who he is because of the suffering that we face. Did you notice that in our text? Verse 13, when his glory is revealed. Verse 14, the spirit of glory. Verse 16, let him glorify God in his name. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. He wrote this in the next chapter, in chapter 12. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made weakness, perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, the reality is, suffering in our lives is designed to increase God's glory from our lives. Let it be so. Amen. In our lives. Now, Peter begins to say, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Why are we so surprised when we struggle with life? Paul wrote, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Amen? Jesus said, In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus also said, don't be surprised when the world hates you because it hated me. And Peter is, don't be surprised when there's fiery trials in your life because it's all part of life. Do you remember anything about fiery darts that Paul alluded to in Ephesians chapter 6? He's talking about putting on the whole armor of God. He's talking about fighting against the wiles of the wicked one. And he he says, and take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the devil. Don't be surprised when you get attacked. It's going to happen. But rejoice. Rejoice. Because you get a chance to share just a teeny bit in the sufferings of Christ. Now we studied, or at least we looked at, 1 Peter chapter 2, 
where it says we are to walk in his steps. And as we do that, we will understand something about the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the sufferings that we're faced need to be the doxology of our lives for two reasons. One, God's glory is revealed. And two, we are blessed because we understand the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen? We can understand that we increase God's glory. But not only increase God's glory, we also begin to know something about a faithful God. Now, this is my creative alliteration. Look with me at verse 19. 1 Peter 4, 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is the third time that Peter has spoken about the will of God. And if you want an interesting study, study God's will throughout the New Testament and discover what it is for your life. What is God's will for your life? We ask that question. And sometimes we think it is this mythological understanding that we'll never quite grasp. But the Bible is clear about God's will. Let me just remind you of a few things. First of all, God's will has to do with salvation. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Scripture says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen? That's, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's God's will. God sent his Son in the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen? That is God's will. And you and I have the good news of the gospel to go out and share God's will with those who need to know him. God's will is also sacrifice, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will is also our sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that we are to possess our bodies in purity. And it is God's will that we are set apart for him. And God's will is that we suffer. If the will of God be so. Now I want you to understand this. God's will always comes with God's faithfulness. Underline that in your mind, will you please? God's will always comes with God's faithfulness. And so we can know something about a faithful God. 
Jump over to chapter 5, will you please? Look with me at verses 10 and 11. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The theology of suffering ends with God's grace and his glory. The word grace, chas, is used some ten times in 1 Peter. And here we find that there is a title for God. The God of all grace. What is God's grace? He is the God who always gives us more than we deserve. Amen? That's what grace is. God giving to us what we do not deserve. He is the God who has reserved an eternal home for us, who has called you to his eternal glory in heaven. I mentioned earlier that I was very thankful for Wayne Peterson's faithful example. Wayne now has a new body. Wayne's old corruptible body, after a devastating stroke that took place some 10 years ago, has put on incorruption. His mortal body, which was racked by a lot of pain, in which he struggled because there were a lot of times Wayne knew what he wanted to say but just couldn't communicate it to us. Has put on immortality. And Wayne today understands the truth that death has been swallowed up in victory. You know what God has reserved for us in heaven? Jesus said, I prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen? And part of God's grace is preparing that wonderful place and making it a reality in our lives. Have you ever thought about heaven? What it's going to be like? I have. And the scripture says that eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And so we can't even imagine it. God's grace is reserved heaven for us. God's grace derives our attention. Did you notice 
the eternal glory of Christ will himself restore. Connie and I, in the last five years, have had to get used to a new medical procedure over here in Battle Creek. In Rochester, we were on a first-name basis with our doctor, Bradford Morelli. Became a friend. Prayed with us at times when we were struggling with, with needs. Over here, the only way we get to see the doctor is to schedule an annual physical. Because when I go in for a need, I see a PA, physician's assistant. And I'm thinking, now, PAs are good people, Aaron. Well, you would be part of that good people. But I'm thinking, P-A-M-D. The M-D's got to know a whole lot more than the P-A. I want to see the guy who knows a whole lot more. God himself. Think about that. This isn't somebody who he says sends as, as one of his helpers. God's grace draws our attention to God himself. And with great confidence, what do we have? Did you notice? We have restoration. If you have a King James Bible, it says, Perfect. You know, restoration's hard work. But I am confident of this very thing, Paul wrote, that he who began a good work in me will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. Not only will he restore us, he'll confirm us. King James, stablish, stabilize. He'll strengthen us. It's the only time that this particular word is used in the New Testament. But its root word is used in Ephesians chapter 6, where we're told to stand against the wiles of the devil, having done all to stand. And we have that great privilege of being strengthened, and he will foundationally establish us. Remember the wise men, the foolish men? He will establish us. And grace is a ever and forever kind of thing. The God of all grace. To him, verse 11, be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen? That's what God wants to do in our lives. Now, I want to take you back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Because I want to put a cap on this. And look with me at verses 8 and 9. Will you please? 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. According to the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want you to mark three words in those two verses. Mark the word love, will you please? 
King James, whom having not seen, ye love. Mark the word joy. Believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. And mark the word faith. Love, joy, faith. That is what binds us together with the wonder of our God. Last week I told you that Valentine's Day is fairly easy for me because my wife's allergic to flowers. As I made that statement last week, somebody yelled out, well, she likes chocolates. And then somebody put on Facebook calling me out that I needed to make sure I got my wife chocolates. Honey, did I get you chocolates? Little heart-shaped chocolates. Also got her a card and took her out to eat. She got me a card. It's entitled Husband. That was original. <laughs> it says this. When we got married, we didn't know where life's road would lead. Along the way, there have been some surprises and adventures. But one thing that has never changed is knowing there is no one I would rather share the journey with than you. And then she wrote, no, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> you know, as I was preparing this message, I thought about this card. And I thought about my relationship with my Savior, Jesus Christ. And if I were to rewrite this card, I would put on the outside, my Jesus. And I would read it this way. When I got saved, I didn't know where life's road would lead. Along the way, there have been some surprises and adventures. But one thing that has never changed is knowing there's no one I would rather share the journey with than you, Jesus. And all God's people said, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning, the opportunity we have to just study it together. I pray, Father, that your word, which is truth for our lives, would help us to be the kind of people that you want us to be. For your honor and your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.